0: It's never not going to be funny to me that the bad guys work for a company called Biosyn. Was Evil Corp not already avail not
1: not available? They're coming up with the false name to get past the the assistant. Chaos Weekly, even she's going to fall for that. Let's call it Chaos Quarterly. <laughs> Chaos
0: Monthly. Pull it back a bit more. Quarterly. Levine
1: was caught, not only
0: speeding, and not only speeding in a school zone, but it's a school zone where the speed limit is 15 miles
1: an hour, he was doing 120. (laughs) Imagine him being the police officer who sees that. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be fucking kidding me. Hello and welcome to Shark Live Royal. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And we're back. Yes! We're back and we're bad. Yes. Because this is... After The Lost World, yes. Michael Crichton, Dave, it's Michael Crichton, it's dinosaurs, it's another book about dinosaurs. I just, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: Mate, I thought you were going to end that sentence with what could go wrong. And there's this awful <laughs> little bit at the back of my brain that goes Jurassic Park 3, Matt, Jurassic Park 3 is what could go wrong. But that's not where we are today. No friends. <laughs> we're still within touching distance of classic, of, of, of genius status storytelling. And we'll see if I'm still saying that at the end of the book, and more more pertinently at the end of the film. However, yes. for now, it's all upside, baby. It's all we just stepped off the helicopter onto the suspiciously quiet, inaccessible Puerto Rican island, Puerto Rican island, Costa Rican island, mm. and we're ready to rock.
1: Yes, if you if you're coming to us for the first time, what we do is we uh, break books down into a lot of parts, and then we go through them week to week. So this week we're reading. Michael Crichton's The Lost World, and we're going from the start of the book, obviously, because it's part one, as far as page... Uh, Have you missed this, Dave? Me trying to frantically find which page (laughs) you're reading to. I think
0: (laughs) this is extremely on brand for us. I think you can just do this for as long as you like.
1: The chapter we're reading to is... So it's page 111 in my book, and it's a chapter called Costa Rica. That's as far as we're reading for this week. If you're reading along with us, to be quite honest, most people seem to just read the book and then download all of them and just listen to it on their way through. <laughs> that, but if you want to read along with us, then that's what we're doing.
0: That's my favourite bit about the, the kind of Herculean efforts you sort of twist yourself through to make sure everybody follows along with these things. It's absolutely <laughs> serving our audience in a way I'm not convinced our audience gives a shit about. But it's yeah. it's a, it's an act of love, and I want you to know that I see it. I see
1: it. But Dave, there's got to be rules. There's got, or, or else what have we got? So that's as far as we that's as far as we're reading for this week, and um, it's a good chunk of it's a good hundred pages. So um, we'll we'll work our way through. it. As we say, if you're coming to us for the first time, the what we do is we break the book down into a load of parts. We'll do a part a week for about this will be five parts or across five weeks. And at the end, if you would like you to send in your reviews, your thoughts on the on the book, can if you can rate it between one and five stars, and uh, we also cast around the internet, and that's always a good laugh at the end. but firstly, part one, The Lost World, we've already done Jurassic Park, done, sorted, did that, um, it was about a year and a half ago now, so it's on the podcast feed if you want to take a listen to it, um, but now we're returning to Michael Crichton, how excited are you Dave?
0: I'm extremely excited Matt, I think like oh, yeah. it's very clear, like looking back over our back catalogue Jurassic Park was was a high point.
1: How did you come to the first come to the lost world then because the, the Jurassic Park, of the book you read the sort of yeah the kids version yeah when did you come across the lost world
0: um I think I read the book before I saw the film this time again oh, cool. but the book book the proper book because I was older whenever it was whenever when it was that the film came out and I'll tell you the thing that made me realize that it was an act of it was a work of genius it was a publishing coup de teatro which was complete genius you had the front page, the front cover, which had like the Jurassic Park movie-style logo thing on it, and it said "The Lost World: Jurassic Park." And then that, and then you opened it up, and inside there was a second cover made out of the same kind of cardboard with the same logo and cover design, but with a raptor jumping through it.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah. It was the
0: fucking best, and at that, I was in. I was in. It was great.
1: <laughs> How about you? The- I'm I, I'm I'm the same. So um, I watched Jurassic Park the film and then read the book because I enjoyed it so much because I was, I was quite young. And then as soon as the Lost World came out, I got the book, read it, and then waited for the for the film to come out. Um, the book, the copy I had was um, the first one I had was quite cool because it was just yeah you know, the Lost World, Michael Crichton on the front and on the back. Didn't even bother with the reviews. Didn't bother with any blurb. It just said something has survived. <gasps> Ah, isn't
0: that fucking great you must be great to be the publishers at that point and be like so you're telling me we've got the sequel here to the book which managed to be at the top of the bestseller list at the same time as the film adaptation was at the record-breaking top of the film charts at the same moment Mm. i don't think we need to put the blurbs on the back do we eric do we no (laughs) let's just tell you what massively portentous tagline that's what we're doing yes
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure the yeah that was the tagline for the film as well. So yeah, yeah. it all tied in. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Well, we'll compare book to film at the end as well, because um, as as our sort of special bonus extra podcast after the book, we'll do we'll, we'll do a watch through of the film. Really looking forward um, to that. So okay, in we go then. Michael Crichton's The Lost World. Um, we start off. Oh, there's a, there's a thing at the very start. He's um, got a dedication, Carolyn Conger. Any any idea who she is?
0: Not not a Scooby.
1: I did a cursory search on Google. Oh. Uh-huh. And CarolynConger dot com is um something odd about like mind, body and spirit stuff. Right. Okay. Right. And and I found her Twitter, and she's tweeted about Jurassic Park a couple of times. So that's good enough for me. That's (laughs) That's pretty sure that's who it's dedicated to.
0: That's (laughs) incredible. Massive shout out just for the coincidence alone. There, I really, I almost hope she's not the Carolyn Conger that the book was dedicated to. But she sort of, she had a business going, and she really read the book and realized, and was like, I can make something out of this.
1: You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tweet her from our account and just see if she see, see if she cops to Brilliant. it. Brilliant, let's do so it. So I'll I'll let you know next week. Outstanding. Um, but yeah, so it's dedicated to Carolyn Conger, Carolyn. If you're listening, hello. And um, it was published in '95. So again, when we read Jurassic Park, the first one, it held up quite well techn- for like in terms of like technology and stuff. Apart from every so often there were one or two glaring things that really dropped you out and this is going to happen in this book as well um, but I'd be interested to see just how far, how far that happens. Do you know, like, yeah. amazing futuristic technology that you start of looking and think, yeah, everyone's got that now but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll absolutely. come across but that Which
0: is, like, described in really like meticulous detail as though to say see the magic object I have brought before you, cretins, with your lack of technical knowledge. Look at me, yeah. for I am unto a god with a <laughs> subscription to New Scientist magazine <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um so the 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 first couple of pages is uh, is a map of the island. I always I always love a book with a map. It's like like yeah, oh, yeah. Game of Thrones does this a lot, doesn't it? Yeah um, set, sets out exactly what you know the place that we're going to be visiting yeah. and around the sides, so I assume this is the same in everybody's. there are a lot of drawings of the dinosaurs is that have you got that as well?
0: No uh, no, no, not at all. no, that's brilliant. Oh.
1: yeah, it's cool. So it's got this uh, basically a, a drawing of the island and then around the edge. You've got all the dinosaurs and it's pr- basically all the ones from Jurassic Park and a couple of new ones. So you've got Tyrannosaurus rex, Myosaurus, uh, Pachycephalosaurus, that's a new one. That's the one with the big, um, <clears throat> like a big bump on his head, like a big, like a...
0: Oh, like, a, like a, <clears throat> a monk's tonsure type thing, like a big, the sort of bony dome.
1: Yeah, he looks like Friar Tuck. That's yeah. what they say in the film. Yeah, yeah so there's him. That's it! Yes!
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Matt, I'm so ashamed that I've managed to channel Pete Postlesway and then not give credit for that line, because that's one of my favourite lines I ever saw. Uh, yeah. by, by that age, just him going, the the, the fat one, Friar Tuck.
1: <laughs> yeah. you got the compies, you got the Apatosaurus, which is like a bigger version of a Brachiosaur with a long mm. neck. Stegosaurus with the plates on his back, Triceratops with his horns, classic. Uh... What's this one called? Para Parasolophilus is the one with the big sort of... Uh, the, in, in the film, he, he, calls <laughs> he calls it Elvis, the pompadour. He calls it Elvis, the pompadour. <laughs> Amazing. And then a Velociraptor, and one called a Carnotaurus, with, which has got little, really small horns on its head. Um, and, and that one, I don't think he's ever appeared in any of the films. And um, not to so, the
0: best of my knowledge, the book. I mean, it's been a while, but... So is that a sort of... Oh, that's heartbreaking. Imagine that dinosaur on the end of the phone calling its mum going, Mum, they've cast me in the film. I'm going to be in the film. Be a massive star. It's going to be amazing. And then it ends up on the cutting room floor. No, Mum, no. It was only a small part anyway. No, no, no. I just, you know, I've got an advert for Krispy Kreme next week. Let's see how that goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's in the book. They're in the book, those dinosaurs. Um, so we will come across them later on. Um, then there are a few quotes. Einstein um, quoting Einstein. That's a big move, isn't it? I was going to
0: say he's laying his stall out early, isn't he? And this, I mean, I we'll come to this because the first, the next few chapters do something quite extraordinary. But I do love that he's coming in. And the first thing he wants to say to his audience, apart from, here's my friend Caroline in a complementary therapy business, and here's a big <laughs> list of dinosaurs. Apart from those two things, the first thing he wants to say is, "Yeah, science, bitches." And I, because yes. that's what quoting Albert Einstein is, isn't it? It's. Science, yeah. bitches. Yeah. and that, that makes me quite happy.
1: Yeah, it's quoting Einstein, it's quoting Kaufman, who is a famous bi- biologist uh, uh, specialising in complex systems. Complex systems is basically the, the like 10 years on what chaos theory is. Uh-huh. And then Ian Malcolm. Um, so he's his own character i just just love the balls of this first page (laughs) it's like
0: yes i have created to a character to stand (laughs) shoulder to shoulder with albert einstein and he looks fantastic even when injured with his shirt unbuttoned to the waist
1: (laughs) yeah that that is a that that first page that the introduction says it is me you're welcome. Here's the story. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what?
0: That is something that I noticed again and again through this first section. Is just like him being really, trying to be really restrained, but just occasionally, like, just sort of showing a bit of bicep. Just occasionally, he'll just drop in a little mention, like, of kind of like, Alan Grant is over here and Elise Hadler's over here, and you're not going to hear anything more about them. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. like,. I wonder what could be going on on this mysterious island, and all of that sort of thing, where he's just like dropping in these moments. And you're right; he leads with one. He leads with Ian Malcolm still alive, yeah, because he he's not supposed to be, is he? In the book, like,
1: no. This is this is quite, and, and he'll explain well very briefly as to how he's <laughs> survived. Um, we'll we'll talk about what we make of that in a sec. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was quite quite the return. Um, first, we've got intro. Um, this introduction, extinction at the KT boundary, um, and we open with yes, Ian Malcolm delivering a lecture. And I remember the first time I read this, thinking, "Oh, this is some kind of flashback before he went to the park." Yeah. But um, yeah, this is a he's delivering a lecture about sort of theories about how dinosaurs disappeared. Yeah. And he's saying <laughs> it's quite interesting that he says, "Yeah, dinosaurs. The theory is that they became extinct really quickly." like over 10,000 years or so. And it's like (laughs) geological timeframes are just amazing, (laughs) aren't they? 10,000 years. Super eye. Well,
0: and that becomes, I really love, um, this is the first little kind of hint of a theme that actually runs through the whole book, which is trying to understand the scale of humanity as against the scale of the earth. And those Hmm. two very, very different um kind of time frames, and yeah, the idea that ten thousand years is is considered sort of disconcertingly rapid rather than a span of time that's passed between me sitting here with a microphone in front of me and dudes working out how to wear animal skins for the first time, you know, mm. like it's just and that geologically that's fast i like yeah. i don't really i still to this day you know I read this when I was fourteen or whatever I still don't really know how to process that fact that yeah. about the planet we live on and it's really weird that it was like a sort of techno thriller involving dinosaurs and people being pulled limb from limb spoilers that did it for me you know
1: yeah the um the extinction on the k2 boundary then is talking about dinosaurs becoming extinct because the k2 K boundary is basically the cretaceous the end, sort of last period of the dinosaurs and then the next sort of geological period after that um he he goes on to talk about how 99.9 percent of all species that ever existed are extinct um they usually follow like a four million year cycle sort of rise and fall this kind of stuff it's it's got a hint of Dan Brownish if I'm honest but I trust (laughs) I trust Michael Crichton a bit more just like a lot of facts are appearing and because it's in a story you're not sure how true they are whether you've been educated or whether you're supposed to take this as just part of you know general theory I think it's more with with uh with Michael Kreys and it's more towards the you know he does he does do some research. This. <laughs> That's true. Or
0: well, at the very least, he loves to project the impression of having done a lot of research. Like I yeah. I um I think I spoke about this last time because I was absolutely on board that train the first time I read this and the several first times I read this. Um and then a few years later I read a book he wrote called State of Fear where he just basically buys in completely to the idea that climate change is a total myth and Mm. is like a worldwide conspiracy and I kept waiting for the shoe to drop I kept waiting for him to be like lol JK it's real but no like absolutely not like so he wrote Mm. this book afterwards which now makes me question the science here, but I can't deny how like engaged and how engaging he is as writing about science. He's writing a fucking blockbuster and he's opened up with a lecture about things dying slowly millions of years ago. Mm. How is this a thriller? But it
1: works. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's similar. The first book was the same, wasn't it? He did a whole whole yeah. spiel about InGen and to, to set it up. And this is almost, this is in two parts. So he does this. He ends with this, this first part by saying, you know, um, primitive animals, like single-cell organisms and stuff, they become extinct because they can't adapt. Complex animals can, so why do they become extinct? So he moves on to prologue, life at the edge of chaos. Basically, he says the reason complex animals like dinosaurs become extinct is... Because of behaviour, and you need to be in this kind of like Goldilocks uh, style of existence when you're a species. He, he sums it up quite neatly. Actually, he says you'd, um, species need enough innovation to adapt new circumstances, but enough stability to avoid collapse. Um, the this leads to uh, another scientist called Levine, who we're going to find out a bit more about. Um, he interrupts from the back of the class. Could dinosaurs have survived somewhere in the world i mean it's quite a jump that isn't it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: i mean it is but only in so far as you need to bring the audience along with you this is like one of the only yeah. novels in history where the novels whether the audience is already ahead of you so much so that they will put up with this as a form of like you know bicep showing uh like foreshadowing uh, mm-hmm. you know this kind of extremely dry pompous argument between two fairly esoteric scientists yeah. qualifies as kind of as foreshadowing
1: yeah and this is where Malcolm also mentions that yeah he, he was pronounced dead um, in the last book which we all know and yeah. uh, due to the wonders of medical science <laughs> he survived <laughs> that's, that's Don't ask the explanation any more questions. as well I love that it just ends with
0: <laughs> he's probably dead and starts with turned out he wasn't anyway moving
1: on <laughs> why did he not die? Science, science. so he <laughs> didn't die so, to quote XKCD
0: science it works bitches <laughs>
1: he was pronounced dead science <laughs> his, pulse has, his pulse has stopped for four hours science Science. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is he really i i hadn't realized that that was how seriously sick he was at the end of the book i love that he puts a number on it and then no, just no, goes, no, he, 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 he did i
1: just did that for oh I okay for... <laughs> I was, but you see mate you
0: see the danger is i'll go along with any charismatic expert and as far as i'm concerned you're the most charismatic <laughs> expert on the world of jurassic park there is
1: <laughs> oh dear so um yeah, we move on to the lost world hypothesis. I do promise stuff does start happening soon. I was... um, its not just a load of theories. Um, <laughs> the,
0: um, I, all I'm all I'm imagining now is our entire audience doing what you said you did with Jurassic Park the first time you picked it up, which is just flick forward until they hear the word dinosaur and then, <laughs>
1: then roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, well you might be flicking a long way. Science, I'm not sure they, science, they don't get to the island in science. this part. <laughs> so the, the, the Lost World hypothesis is next. This is after the lecture. Um, Malcolm meets up with this woman called Sarah Harding. Apparently they had a bit of a thing in the past. They're no friends. Um, that's about as much romance Michael Crichton ever does. So that's that's sort of like quite flowery for him. Um, <laughs>
0: that, that counts as positively florid, torrid romance.
1: <laughs> yeah um the he's malcolm's got such a negative view of humanity he considers humanity stubborn self-destructive conformists that's what people are um mm. and again L- i say Levi, i read
0: this when i was 14 years old so that kind of that may have changed <laughs> with me more than it otherwise should have done
1: <laughs> yeah Levine turns up the guy who interrupted him and says you know um he's still banging on about this idea that maybe there's some dinosaurs still knocking about somewhere He says he's he's putting together an expedition to go and try and find them because he thinks they exist somewhere near Costa Rica. And he's like, so, Dr. Malcolm, you were in Costa Rica a few years ago. It was all a bit hush-hush. What went on over there? And Malcolm's like, nothing. Nothing (laughs) happened. I got ill. Uh, I nearly died. (laughs) <laughs> don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he he all I love how deadpan he is about this. He all but says, "Listen, I went, I ate a bad burrito. It went wrong or right. I was in the hospital for a very long time. I came home, didn't even see the beach. What can I tell mm.
1: you?" Yeah. And uh, it's um apparently this is because He's been paid off. He says he's had all his medical bills paid for by Ingen, and when Levine, it turns out, has gone to see Alan Grant as well, and mm-hmm. Grant has described what he's been saying as, as preposterous, like in quite like offhanded way that he would do, which is it. On the one hand, it's like, all oh, right, so they kept it hush hush. On the other, I'm kind of, kind of surprised because yeah. the end of Jurassic Park, Grant was so incensed by uh, what everyone had done on the island he was dragging a lawyer around and throwing him down like holes into raptor nests (laughs) (laughs) just just to make (laughs) himself feel better so quite how he's decided to be hushed up after that i don't know but he has so yeah well that's a very
0: excellent point matt actually like the whole Crichton skips past this with the you know the sheer the the writer's sheer moxie of just skipping to the next paragraph um (laughs) but This does fundamentally undermine any of the character traits you admired in the characters that you spent the last novel with and the characters for whom, presumably, you came to this new narrative and just Mm. turns them all into a bunch of people who are willing to go, how much is it? Yeah, no, didn't see a thing. Every (laughs) last one of them turns into an absolute patsy. And that's just, it's such a letdown. Also, I don't know about you. If I was Malcolm and I needed two years worth of medical care... In Costa Rica, right, as a result of the, like, criminal, flaming negligence (laughs) of a major corporation (laughs) with loads and loads of money, I am not sure that them paying for the healing of the injuries that they themselves caused would constitute quite enough compensation for me. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> thanks, still walk with a cane, just about got one of my two legs back in terms of function. That's not so much a bribe, is it? You wouldn't look at me now and say, well, I've been handsomely rewarded, particularly since they didn't even fucking fly him back from Costa Rica, They didn't find some <laughs> magic wealthy man's way of getting him to a first world hospital. No, 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 just for two years, they're like, you are right there, are you, Ian? Yeah no, we'll carry on signing the signing the checks. How much is it for the parasites? Is it fifty p? Yeah, fine, mate. You carry on. You stay there for as long as you like. Signy, mm. sign, sign. Yeah. Just, just like what the fuck is that?
1: Yeah. So he, in the end, he makes this deal with Levine and says, "Look, if you can find evidence that there, that there are dinosaurs have survived, or then I'll come on this expedition, basically to show him up. I think because he doesn't think he's going to find anything. Yeah, and then." We sort of, in the space of a couple of lines, we fast forward eighteen months. It's like, and then Levi went off and did his research. (laughs) And
0: And even Michael Crichton can't make a a paleontologist going away to research the existence of animals (laughs) a thrilling moment in a techno thriller. Not even even he he can do. Samwise Tali visits visits the citadel. He can't make it work. He's (laughs) like, and then research, research, research. Anyway, dinosaurs
1: yeah um we get the first configuration we're going to get these little configurations again like we did last time um they were called iterations last time weren't they yeah um and it looks like it's going to they're going to be a little easier to understand this time the pattern never mind that i've no idea what the hell's going on there but the little bit below <laughs> it basically says we're starting on the conservative edge of the sort of edge of chaos so like the the bit where you're going to become extinct because everything's so safe and we're moving towards the edge of chaos um, that's the plan. Mm. Next chapter: apparent, apparent forms. Right, Dave.
0: Yeah, are you are you, yeah. gonna, are you about to imply that I am myself an aberrant form? <laughs> no,
1: Is no, this no, no, where no. You're I'm going gonna, with this. <laughs> no, I was going to say. Now, Jurassic Park, we really enjoyed. Yes, as as much for the dinosaurs, of course, but also the memorable characters: Alan Grant, Gennaro, Ellie Sattler <laughs> Tim, Lex, all all the ones who survived. So, so excited. I'm sure you're excited to hear one of them's coming back now. Oh, we've brilliant. already had Malcolm. Who's that? Who else is it going to be? It's only Marty Gutierrez, the yeah! man who hears the rumors. <laughs>
0: That's true. The, the the biologist whose sole role is to be in a bar on the edge of the action, going, I didn't see nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you remember, if you don't remember, uh, Gutierrez sort of heard, heard some rumours in Costa Rica in the first book, and then um, missed the entire story and popped up at the end and asked people what had happened, and they all said they didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so he's back to make another another attempt at um at getting involved in the story, and this time he's he's in a helicopter with Levine. Um, they're heading over because they've got a report. That they f- a, a, a dinosaur body's been found, an animal's body's been found on the beach, and they're gonna go and check it out, see if it's a dinosaur. They land. It's a massive lizard. It's basically, it's a dinosaur, Dave. Um, <laughs>
0: <they're>, <laughs> no, listen, you've read between the lines there, Matt, but I think you might be onto something.
1: <laughs> um, they're not allowed to take any pictures because um, the Costa Rican government don't want this getting out, um, and yeah. this is demonstrated quite clearly. where within like five minutes of them inspecting it. There's another helicopter turns up and they just get out and torch the fucker. They just burn <laughs> it to the ground. It's gone. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's a well, it's a very well written scene. I do really like it, particularly with the idea that this thing, because it's like half decomposed, basically has massive pockets of methane under the skin, which the mm. moment they put a flamethrower on it just go boom. So it's like yeah. a kind of, you know, oven ready Velociraptor or whatever the thing is. But um, uh, but. I'm not sure. I mean, I understand that one needs to have this scene in order to buy the idea that there are dinosaurs on the mainland and that, that that's where the last book stopped as well. Mm. But I don't think if I was the Costa Rican government, I'd be going, hey, here are these animals that everybody in the world is completely fascinated with. And we might have some. Looks like we probably do have really quite a lot in the, in the jungle. And what we should do is we should kill them whenever we find them, and whenever we find evidence of them, we should execute an enormous conspiracy to make sure nobody ever finds out. Because we've got mm. the tourism money. We've got all the tourism money we need. We don't need any more people coming along and trying to see fucking dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> well, they, they give the advance an explanation for that in the next chapter in San Jose, where um, Gutierrez says they, they keep destroying the animals because... Two things: one, they don't know where they're coming from, so it, people might think it's quite dangerous to go to Costa Rica because <laughs> giant dinosaurs knocking away. And two, they're um, they've they got these, they've found a lot of these examples of let non-le- a non lethal disease. I think it's en- encephalitis, uh. which is which has popped up, and it's a different kind of strain. Mm. And they think it's connected to these animals, so they're trying to sort of make sure that doesn't spread as well. Mm. So they got sort of, I thought it was quite a good explanation as to why they they keep torturing them. I'm not um, sure,
0: though. Like, there's plenty of places with diseases that you seriously don't want to catch and really breathtakingly rare wildlife. And the existence of the wildlife definitely seems to drive a tourism industry that doesn't give two shits about the existence of the disease. Like um, uh, uh, Bangladesh has Bengal tigers as one might expect doesn't have very many of them but it's got them and there's a hmm. decent business to be had taking people out into the forest to go and look for them
1: yeah um yeah,
0: you know no matter the fact that there's dengue everywhere as well who cares there's a tiger
1: yeah, yeah. um in terms of the identity of the of the dinosaur um we don't know at the moment, but I'm pretty sure from what I read later on that this is one of those car toruses, the little guy. Little <laughs> is that guy where that... they make their appearance? <laughs> yeah. Dead body one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's incredible. I've got a huge part in the book, Mum. It's a huge part. Yeah, really early on, I drive the plot. Yeah, no, no I mean, I don't have any lines, actually. I don't move very much truth be told he does
1: move as he's getting burned (laughs) burned. (laughs) curls
0: up with the heat as the muscles and bones contract (laughs) yeah no mum that's just that's a model actually you don't need to when you see it you don't need to worry because they don't you know they don't do it to you they just no it's a big step forward big step forward um casting director said they loved what i did in terms of you know blistering so i'll be back uh, it's a yeah. huge step
1: <laughs> no they do turn up later in the book both alive and doing something i don't believe you so. i
0: honestly i've read this book like <laughs> eight or nine times i i do not believe you
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so um so that yeah the animal gets torched and they they go back to san, like i said they, we end up in san jose where gutierrez is, is um talking to Levine about it about why they they, they don't want any, any of the word getting out apparently uh, Biosyn is sniffing around this company that we came across last time
0: <laughs> Biosyn, it's never not going to be funny to me that the bad guys work for a company called Biosyn was Evil Corp not already avail- not, not available
1: <laughs> yeah, these guys get involved in all kinds of shady shit and it's it's summed up nicely by the quote that um, they're the only genetics company with more lawyers than scientists. I, so I, don't I can imagine that. that on the logo. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Biosyn, if we don't discover it, we'll sue you. That's incredible. I love, I love Biosyn, Evil Corp, Naughty yeah. Inc. I'm going to call them <laughs> Naughty Incorporated from now on. That's what I'm calling them
1: yeah biosyn apparently a good example of, as well as th- this idea that gutierrez has that nature is no longer being studied it's being mined oh, and this what is a, a line what yeah, a it's line very, very much follows on from that stuff that malcolm said in the first book the sort of rape of the natural world kind of thing isn't it? yeah
0: absolutely um, and um i like it for its consistent sort of theme although it does therefore give you the impression that all right-thinking scientists are like unendingly pessimistic and bleak about things
1: Yeah, Um, departure, Gutierrez um, drops him off at the airport, drops Levi off at the airport, gets in a taxi and misses out once again on any substantial involvement in one of the most interesting <laughs> books of all <our> time. <laughs> you,
0: we're going to find out, Matt, that there's a whole parallel series of books somewhere that nobody's ever read where Marty Gutierrez goes off and like fights crime by night, or is like a masked avenger of wronged innocence or something, and he's having a much more fun time with like a little rapier sword and a, and a kind of eye mask going on. Yeah. Than Zorro, basically, is what I'm saying. He's actually Zorro. Marty yeah. Zorro is his full name.
1: Yeah, the the next bit made me laugh out loud. I love it. I, 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 it's just like I don't know, just, just which, so good. Which
0: I'm really curious now.
1: So so Levine's at the airport and he's about to go home, and then he notices the pilot. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> on the phone with his back to him, his shoulders hunched, and he's saying, he's saying, "Yes, it's an island, but I don't know which one." No. I don't think he knows anything, and it's like what a coincidence! And what is this pilot doing? Why That's, is he not checked? That is the
0: most phoned-in plot development you ever saw. If you, yeah, I mean, like, I'm going with the story at this point because it's Michael Crichton, it's dinosaurs. So, yeah, come on! But at the same time, <laughs> glorious! Hello, hello! Yes, I have the plot. To whom should I deliver the plot? No, I've have, I have exposition that must be delivered immediately. Let me just check to see there's no major characters immediately behind me. No, no. Okay, so what's going on? And he even names the guy, doesn't he? He names yeah. whoever it is that he's talking to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if it's if this feels more ridiculous now because in a world of mobile phones, why on earth would you be going into the airport to use the payphone there? But I suppose he's a pilot. He's always at the airport. I, I can imagine yeah. how twenty years ago this wouldn't seem quite as ridiculous. Like in the modern eyes. Yeah, yeah
0: well, because it's not cause, so the 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 pilot flies him back to the airport, right? But then there's no other phones between where the pilots get to be and where the public are walking. Also, how small or big is this airport? Is it the sort of airport (laughs) where there's like one payphone and one luggage carousel and one front door and everybody in the airport is basically in the same space, which is the only way Levine could overhear the guy. But then if that was the case, if you were that pilot, you'd probably nip down the road, wouldn't you? probably find a payphone <laughs> in a mcdonald's or something just go anywhere other <laughs> yeah. than the place you've just dropped off the guy you're spying on
1: yeah at the very least it's spectacular lazy from the pilot isn't it, it is but, um. although
0: this is a theme again i, feel, I sense is going to run through this which is of like kind of under engaged and probably slightly overpaid private investigators <laughs> uh, definitely a theme of michael crichton's work around dinosaurs surprisingly
1: yeah i think we need to settle actually because i just noticed them um, um i read this guy's name is levine and you say levine shall we go with levine
0: i we can whatever you want i just i i always wondered Let, whether it. it was levine Let, or levine i've never i'd never even thought of levine that's like yeah. that's pretty good you mean like, quite Athens, like somebody descended from the family of levi's genes yeah it's
1: Levine. I, I quite like Levine when I heard it, because I know imagining this guy is basically like Avril Levine's dad.
0: <laughs>
1: so yes! That.
0: yes, or Adam Levine from flipping um, from Maroon 5.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're on so, there. That's happening. So, <laughs> okay, so we now move on to... Yeah, so uh, Levine hears that and thinks... <laughs> All I can right. hear
0: is Skater Boy now. <laughs> All I can hear is kind of terrible, angsty girl pop from 2002. Damn it, Matt.
1: Yeah yeah so we we'll move on to palo alto uh this is a meeting between um biosin's best boy louis dodgson um
0: dodgson, Do- dodgson. <laughs> literally dodgson. we have one of the best deliveries of a line in the universe and you still call him dogs <laughs> <laughs> dodgson dodgson we got dodgson here <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sticking with dogson <laughs>
0: you know what you know what you 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 gave me levine i'll give you dogson if only because um, it does allow me to go you son of a bitch every single time
1: <laughs> um, he's meeting with a guy called george basilton who's a professor and this professor's sort of been brought in to tidy up the image of biosyn um, and then- <laughs> do, do you know what? You'd probably hire a
0: brand consultant on that. Rename yourselves Happy Smiley Corp or Nothing to See Here Inc. Don't bring in an expert. You can't change the fact that you've got the word sin in your fucking name.
1: Yeah. And this guy called Ed James, who I assume you're referring to when you're talking about uh, yes. another lazy private detective. Yeah. Yep, yep. Michael Crichton's lazy yeah.
0: private eye uh, agency. I'm really happy about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he's come in. He's got all these files on. Um, on the various characters in the last book because he's been hired by uh, Dodgson to actually look into, um, you know, find out more about what these guys have been doing. Turns out Grant's lecturing these days. Ellie is also doing some lecturing somewhere. Um, he says that they they used to be involved with each other. So I assume that happened after the book. Um, yeah, we well, they were involved in with the film.
0: They were involved in the <laughs> film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were like, that was, that was quite a nice, you know, pg romance i thought that was quite nice but yeah. um but yeah i do but like i wonder if they got together in the immediate aftermath of you know it's a speed situation you know relationships <laughs> formed in very intense environments never survive um yeah that sort of thing but i i love i love the account that this guy gives of being in one of sattler's lectures bored out of his skull Talking yeah. about, like, you know, x-rays of, of fossilised pollen. And, you know, fair play. Hands in the air, I would be exactly <laughs> the same. But then I do wonder what the purpose is of paying him $500 a day to go and sit and be bored. What's he supposed to be? Well, is he supposed to be paying attention to what she's saying and taking notes in case she happens to go? And if you'll see on the right, there's the uh, fossilised, slightly fuzzier form of that particular uh pollen, and uh, I secretly went to an island and saw living dinosaurs, then signed an NDA to make sure that uh, I never talked about it. And on the <laughs> next slide
1: here, we have the leaves.
0: <laughs> what? Like, what's he yeah. supposed to get out of being born out of his skull?
1: I suppose that, that must be what being a private detective is most of the time, <laughs> <you're just> watching <laughs> yeah, people yeah, aren't you? Fair, waiting yeah. to see who turns up, who they meet, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah it must be pretty dull. I quite... um. I couldn't get over this. Um Gennaro Donald Gennaro who survived the book what? died of dysentery shortly afterwards on a business trip. <laughs> I got the feeling that I got the feeling at the end of Jurassic Park, when Alan Grant was dragging him around trying to get him killed by dinosaurs, I think Michael Crichton had actually pretty heavily fallen out with Gennaro by that point and hated him anyway. Yeah. And I think he may have wished he killed him because he just kills him here, just seemingly out of spite. He's like, yeah, he died of dysentery. He was an absolute wanker.
0: <laughs> I mean, we can all agree that Donald Gennaro, as presented in the book, is an absolute wanker. In the film, slightly more sympathetic for some reason, a bit weedier. <laughs> um, but... um,
1: Um <laughs> not deserve that, though, Dave, surely. I thought, well, I actually <laughs>
0: thought that that, that fate that he was given was a really weird another place like with the Alan and Ellie relationship where it sort of calls back to the film because of course he dies on the bog in the film oh, like yeah. Gennaro is eaten while sitting on the toilet so I think this is a joke about him literally shitting himself to death and it like that's executed in the uh, most a
1: really good uh, good point yeah cack candid
0: yeah. way <laughs> Um, but that's what I thought when I read that I was like, because I, unlike you I didn't have the encyclopedic the you know, the Matt's encyclopedia of knowledge about former books um, and so I just thought he died like he does in the film so I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh they've covered it over and given him a really embarrassing way of dying that's a terrible cover-up That's thanks, great yeah, Gennaro uh, was uh, not torn limb from limb by a uh, pack of velociraptors he shat himself to death Grant survived, you know. Like
1: very, yeah, very. Everyone else doing okay. Thing. Yeah. Um. So, so there's this, there's all, a lot of dead ends there, really. Apart from Malcolm, who appears to had some contact with this Levine guy, and then uh, not done anything else since. But um, there's all these rumors about Site B. <laughs> which sounds like another dinosaur site and um, <laughs> so you
0: might as well call it nothing to see here i um, <laughs> i really i really like this site b thing because whenever you have it do you remember that that simpsons episode where they have this like ecological catastrophe and then they have hmm. this massive town meeting right at the end and they somebody goes mr mayor should we activate plan b and the mayor just goes yes B, And every time somebody talks about Site B in this book now, I just hear Joe Quimby going, yes, B. <laughs> With, like, infinite portent. Yeah.
1: So uh, Levine's looking to take this expedition out there, um, but he's suddenly just disappeared. He's dropped off the grid, and uh, Dodgson says, you got to find him so that's a James's mission now he doesn't
0: say it in a very polite way though does he He so I guess fine the son of a bitch no no (laughs) no he says no even better than that he grabs it leans over the desk gets right in his face (laughs) and goes now you listen to me you ignorant son of a bitch (laughs) find him I mean what's your upside there from a management perspective what are you trying to achieve from this guy who literally just calls you every day and goes no I haven't found anybody that'll be $500 please what are you hoping to get him to do he'll just add an extra week for the sheer rudeness of the request no no i haven't found him no he's definitely not at this end of disneyland anyway i'll be on the other end tomorrow yeah yeah no i <laughs> definitely worth investigating this for another call it a week 500 a day and expenses yeah yeah great cracking no he's not here but i'll go and check at six flags you know
1: so yeah so we move on to berkeley chaps called berkeley um the sample basically levine um when he was over checking out this corpse before it got burned. He managed to sort of whip out his knife and just get a little chunk of flesh. And he sent it over to Malcolm. So Malcolm receives it at Berkeley. And um, it's just this little piece of flesh. And then it's just got a note with it. Levine's just written, I was right and you were wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Am I alone in thinking that in this more security-conscious age, that's the sort of shit that gets stopped by Homeland Security and gets you put on a watch list for fucking life? What's this meticulously kept piece of slightly mysterious-looking degraded skin with acid on it and a note scrawled out with no signature saying, I was right and you were wrong? Who's it from? Levine. Put him on every list we've got. Every last one. He's not moving without me knowing about it.
1: Which leads on to the next chapter, The Lost World. The Lost World. Dave, we're going. We're going to the island. (gasps) Out of nowhere. Are there going to be dinosaurs? (laughs) We'll wait and see. So (laughs) Levine is scared shitless climbing up this cliff edge with this uh, helper called Diego. Um, They've got the, the sort of... He's about 500 feet up, and I whenever I've heard this before I've just thought, yeah, that seems uncomfortable if you're afraid of heights, to be bad mm. um, but I didn't realise just how scary it was until I actually tried doing some climbing recently and it's oh, actually really? really hard yeah,
0: at <laughs> 500 feet up without ropes or anything, and also I love that the young fit expert climber is behind him like, what's he going to do? <laughs> catch you when you fall off, you send a strong yeah. guy up first to drive in the route so you've got something to hang off of, surely But but you could just imagine, though, Levine, who is – and I think we haven't – to our credit, we haven't dwelt on this enormously this time. But Levine is a prick. I mean, Mm. we really need to be clear about the way Levine communicates. He's a complete wanker, and you would punch him in the face if you had to work with him. Mm. So um, I'm not, like, heartbroken at the prospect of Levine falling off a cliff. have to tell you that. (laughs) Like, acting like a bit of a knob end. Reckon that would do um might end yeah. the book quite soon so i suppose i want him to survive long enough to get eaten by a dinosaur
1: well levine um to sum up just kind of how much of a dick he is he's uh he's got this guy to accompany him to this island and clearly told him nothing about what to expect he's expecting to find some dinosaurs levine um diego um rather confidently asserts as soon as they sort of climb to the top of the cliff there are only birds here and then hears a roar and you get <sighs> the guns out. <laughs> and I mean I, love- I mean the the weapons, not like <laughs> <just> <laughs> did tops You get off. Said- <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that. There's just
0: there's just this otherworldly scream in the background. Levine catches Diego's eye, Diego catches Levine's eye, and they both just, without breaking eye contact, slowly roll up the t shirt sleeves. Get out <laughs> get out Tommy and AK. Get get St S- Andrew and St Patrick out just ready to go <laughs>
1: um so they, they head off into the jungle they find an old jeep track over overgrown sort of road they reach this stream and uh the uh Levine sort of sort of kneels by the stream and finds this little sort of mini test tube um and is examining it when um a little animal jumps out of the foliage now he ad- identifies this as a Mus- Musaurus. Mm-hmm. but I think he might just misidentify. I think it's a it's a because okay. Right. I thought you were I gonna I thought
0: you were gonna find our our intrepid bit part actor again in this. I thought you were gonna say yeah, it's him <laughs> again, Dave. Here you go, here he is, alive and in the flesh. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. He's he's still waiting in the wings. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. Cantorosaurus, so it was called. Yeah.
0: Ready for his close up.
1: Yeah, um, no. He so he he he. Comes across this the, the first dinosaur he sees is this tiny, um, tiny little sort of chicken-sized dinosaur, which again might be a mosaurus, might be a, a kompy, I don't know. Mm. And then suddenly, he the, the the little dinosaur runs away, and he can smell a decaying odor, and he realizes that this is a place where you might find a predator. Just as Diego <laughs> is attacked and dragged into the foliage. and he sees Levine sees this foot with a big curved claw (gasps) and he realises what it is
0: this is absolutely crying showing a bit of thigh here isn't it it's like look there's going to be raptors again there's going to be raptors again stay with me through all the science shit 18 months of man (laughs) researches in library
1: (laughs) there will be lots of raptors Levine makes a run for it and then he's jumped raptor on the back and that's the end of the chapter, so he's, he's gone. Now. <laughs> Rogues <laughs> up from the back. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>...
0: <laughs> I am delighted to be playing the role of the unruly kids on the back seat of the bus for this particular character. Fuck him. Does nothing of any interest, dearing me.
1: <laughs> or is he dead? <gasps> School don't, is don't the next chapter. Don't take it away from
0: me, Matt. Don't take it
1: away. Well, Levine is speaking at the start of the next chapter. <gasps> But it's a recording. I love this. He's yanking us around a bit, but it's cool. And it's it's basically he he got caught speeding a while back, so he's had to as part of his community service, he's had to deliver lectures to a school. Mm. So there are these two kids, Kelly Curtis, who's fourteen, and Arby, who's eleven, sitting in a classroom watching a tape of Levine. That's where we are now.
0: Okay. So, I just want to note something before we go on to meet these two kids who are like by absolutely every available measure better than Levine at being humans <laughs> um doesn't it say that, that um Levine was caught not only speeding and not only speeding in a school zone but it's a school zone where the speed limit is fifteen miles an hour, and he was doing a hundred and twenty. <laughs>
1: Yeah, how do you even get up to that speed yeah. in that kind of area? In
0: a school zone, like, how are you? What's the accelerate? I mean, it says he's got a Ferrari, so fair enough. You know, the 0 to sixty time on that is pretty impressive. But what, where is this school? Is it on the <laughs> fucking salt flat that you can accelerate past it, hundred twenty miles an hour? What is
1: this? <laughs> Yeah. Imagine him imagine being the police officer who sees that. Like, you've got to be fucking kidding me.
0: <laughs> just imagine seeing him go past and the guy just carefully puts down his coffee, puts down his donut, <laughs> looks at the thing, tap, tap, tap on the screen just to check that it's not got stuck. Better follow him then, haven't we? Woo!
1: <laughs> and just, I just, I'd love to have seen... The, the bit where he's pulled over as well. Um, do you know why you've been pulled over, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got an idea. <laughs>
0: you could just, Levine, though, would be giving it. No, this is absolutely, there's no logic to you pulling me over at all. I'm completely in control of the situation. You, 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 you intelligence free cretin in your uniform. I spit on you. I could just imagine him giving it all of that. And mm. <laughs> you, I think he'd just do, do say, Do you know how say, fast you were going?
1: He'd just say, Look, I'm late. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, be like, that's very much what you do
0: yeah that's exactly it like, I was late
1: what <laughs> anyway um, yeah so I meet Kelly and Arby these two kids um, turns out they've been helping him out with a few errands as well over the last few months As uh, they leave school um, everyone's favourite lazy detective Ed James is hey. uh, sitting in the car outside trying to stay awake um, apparently he doesn't suspect the kids um yeah he's not he's not the greatest private detective <laughs> in the world this guy is he yep yeah, yep
0: yeah, yep yeah. that's true that's <laughs> absolutely true. michael jackson michael jackson's dearie me michael jackson. michael Crichton's lazy detective agency strikes again can you imagine yeah. a lazy detective agency being run by michael jackson lord <laughs>
1: different book matt be a different book silly <laughs> word. um we move on to tag yeah uh, the next chapter and this is where uh, malcolm finds out more about this this sample um He's given a bit of a talk on it from an expert who says that uh, from the analysis, yeah, it's this massive lizard. It looks like it can change colour. It can change the colour of its skin like a chameleon. Um, It's kind of a hybrid. It's got some uh, characteristics that you'd expect to see um, of a lizard. Some you'd expect to see of a bird. And interestingly, uh, Levine had took off this bit of flesh because it's got a tag attached to it Mm. and it's a Site B tag Uh, and it looks like it's a a radio tag. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. And it looks like it's a radio tag to keep track of it. And uh, apparently they can tell from like analyzing the the flesh as well that the animal lived a really stressful life, which is unusual because normally animals in captivity aren't that stressed because they're just sitting about so, so what's going on here Dave?
0: Well, I mean, I think you and I are thinking the same thing here and I think I think we can both agree that what they've actually done is set up a dinosaur version of Battle Royale. they <laughs> just wore them all onto an island and let them go at it with sort of reality TV cameras flying around the place. <laughs> that
1: and was basically that, the end of idea, Jurassic Park. That idea by the way is it?
0: fucking copyrighted. I am writing that book and nobody else is allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that was basically what happened at the end of Jurassic Park. Oh,
0: damn it. Okay, right, yeah. fine. Michael Crichton got there first as always.
1: Uh, so at the end of this chapter with his new discoveries uh, Malcolm tries to call Levine but gets no answer Uh, move on to a chapter called Thorn this is another new character called Dr. Thorn who is building the equipment for Levine's expedition Um, and we get introduced to him he's shouting at some of his helpers he does a lot of shouting does Dr. Thorn (laughs) Um.
0: (laughs) for some reason though you like him like for me this is a this is a very classic example of characters who are both behave like dicks, but one is likable and one is not and Levine is very much not, and Thorne very much is and hmm. I just I don't mind dr Thorne's yelling, I'm like Dr Thorne's yelling he's probably got a good reason to be doing that solid hmm. solid
1: yeah he um he was was renowned when he was a teacher for setting like quite creative. Engineering problems for his students—they um, became known as thorny problems. Um, and yeah, I think one was like drop a pack of eggs from a building, and sort of stop them from cracking using only toilet roll holders, like toilet roll tubes. Um, and I ended up with just eggs all over the smashed all over the floor. <laughs> 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 and also, he, he's he's got a real thing for a well-rounded education he likes his engineers to like know real world things and philosophy and stuff like that yeah and he goes on about um like these various like chinese philosophers as well yeah. or chinese engineers yeah. like changzu yeah. is one of them i think yeah 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 um so he goes on and on about that i love and, i
0: i've got to tell go you on. i love that i since since this is a book partly set in palo alto which is now the home of facebook uh, which I think is the best example amongst a fairly crowded field of large corporations led by people who haven't done any reading or studying outside their area of specialism, which is, say, coding things. A huge yeah. amount of respect for what's done at those companies, but it's very clear they have a very thin view of the world. And I just love any character that says, you want to be a good scientist, you've got to read up on your philosophy as well. You've got to understand how people have thought about what people have done. Um, mm. Again... This is a techno thriller. I am really not supposed to be using this as like a touchstone for a kind of moral philosophy, but that's pretty fucking solid. Like, that Mm. argument I buy, and I wish more people had kind of been educated that way, to be honest.
1: Yeah, someone who wasn't buying it was one of his colleagues who, during a departmental meeting, um, announced that some mythical Chinese bullshitter means fuck all for engineering. <laughs> that, was, that was the moment that pushed him out the door and he's like, right, I'm out.
0: Right, fuck <laughs> the fucking lot of you.
1: Fuck you and your university. <laughs> I am out of here.
0: <laughs> I'll be taking my astonishing well-being elsewhere. Thank you so very much.
1: <laughs> yeah, so now he, um, he's out of education, sort of semi-retired and has got his own, sort of doing his own thing. There's a collection of uh, things that he's got together and getting ready for this uh, trip. There's this really big techie, um, well done out trailer, which apparently you flick a switch and it electrifies to the, um, to the sort of power of ten thousand volts, which um, might be a familiar amount of voltage if you read the first book. Um, oh
0: yeah, I totally yeah. Have noticed that. Oh, I see you go the extra mile on these facts, Matt. You, you're all over it.
1: Yeah, his most impressive invention is a tiny satellite phone um, that you can use to speak to people anywhere without being at a... It's basically a Nokia 3210 day, but he's (laughs) (laughs) he's invented it 10 years early. (laughs) What a time to be alive. So you're telling
0: me I hold the phone in my hand and then talk and somebody else very far away can hear me.
1: <laughs> you're a witch where are the wires no wires <laughs> no no yeah. wires <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's just I think it's one of those moments that isn't it where it does it show its age a little bit the book yeah um but yeah, he's basically a little Nokia 32. I don't know if he's got snake on it. I like that idea. He's just, he's just I'd love it if there that. was like
0: a really tense moment later on where they're all like, "Where's Thorn?" and he's sitting there like <laughs> frantically tapping away on the phone, like, "I'm nearly got it. I'm nearly gonna fill the whole screen. I've nearly got the, the high score." Yes. Sorry, what are we doing? Oh, dinosaurs. Sorry. Yes.
1: No. He he, he um he calls Levine on the satellite phone. Um, and Levine answers, he is alive after all, but he Ooh. sounds like he's shitting himself, <laughs> and is Again, it sounds in very really comfortable. Big trouble. With that. <laughs> and uh, Thorne says we've got to find him. This is quite a development, though. The guy is yeah, still alive. He's still alive. And no <sighs> reason for to come out.
0: Boring. I'd like to just before we move on from Levine being alive, because, bleh, but um. I'd like to note that Diego plays exactly the same role in this book as um, the the guy played by Alfred Molina does in the first bit of Raiders of the Lost Ark. His role is to be a local guide who can't be trusted to follow the rules and dies immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the local guide who dies, which, you know, I, doesn't seem hugely kind of realistic to me, but that's what he's there for, obviously. To get
1: yeah, poor Diego. Didn't even poor get Diego. his cigarette, did he? Pour What's one out thing? for Diego. Yeah. Uh we the second configuration. I don't really got anything to say about that Is anything you want to add there?
0: Uh no, what's the quote though? Is it in some some massively portentous quote that makes everything sound like maths? But in a good way. It's
1: just it's just like things get a bit worse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't write it down, did words. you?
0: I got you banked to rights. You haven't got a clue.
1: <laughs> and I've got it here. It's self-organization elaborates in complexity as the system advances towards the chaotic edge. That's basically what I said. <laughs> um,
0: I'll but... tell you what, Matt, you said it with a damn sight more economy. I'm going with the I'm going with the Matt version.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um the the next chapter is called Clues. <laughs> they all take a visit to uh, Le- Levine's apartment, and it's it's basically a museum. It's got all these like cabinets, glass cabinets with like priceless artifacts behind them. <laughs> uh, I've just drawn a little picture of a of a face, just like with a mouth open in shock, next to the <laughs> note about that. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Uh, so the fiends of part of it said this is why this is why he's never had a girlfriend. I think I think Thorn <laughs> said <says>. that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, so, so they they're combing through the the flat for like clues, and um, they find out he's been um, he's been using this computer to sort of like find deleted files, and he's, it, it's all these sort of site B files from Ingen. Mm. and um, immediately Arby, who is our sort of Tim for this book, is a computer (laughs) expert, and he takes charge.
0: I love Michael Grighton doubling down on the idea of the astonishingly computer-literate genius 11-year-old as a driver (laughs) of the plot. Like, what do we need to do is access computers, and they're really complicated. Very few people in this time know really how to use them. So i tell you what we'll do is we'll get a child to do it because of the magic of children and computers, that well-established link...
1: Hmm.
0: like i i mean great i suppose but did nobody call him out on it after the first time like yeah this is super cool michael but how many 11 year olds do you know that can prevent a catastrophe happening via computers
1: yeah maybe this is just the like this is the time it was being written this was the first time when like you had that thing where for the first time like kids could like work computers a hell of a lot better than anybody else like that is true is... actually yeah thinking back to Pick 98 a... yeah
0: yeah like i actually I yeah that was a weird time i think in anybody's life who had a computer and like playing with it a bit uh, around that age where like teachers would be like can you show me how to do this
1: please <laughs> <laughs> i certainly can <laughs> let's talk <Yeah>. about homework <laughs> <laughs> so um the next chapter is raptor and uh Malcolm Hang on, I'm is, Sorry,
0: what? I'm not letting that skip past. Just a second. Just say it again.
1: The next chapter is Raptor. <laughs> yes, that's yes. Thank you. Um, there is a Raptor here, but it's a model of one. Oh, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> it's a model hell. of one that's been sort of positioned rather poorly. And Malcolm just walks past and just absolutely tears it, just shreds as he's walking. It doesn't even stop. Doesn't even break stride. And the guy, the guy who's doing it, is just left like gutted in his just, wake. He's just devastated.
0: It's it's a, it's a legit um, sad piano music from Arrested Development moment, isn't it? Like the guy just turns away <laughs> from the thing, going do 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 do.
1: <laughs> yeah. So as as Malcolm's making his way back to his office. Um, he has a little think about dinosaurs. It's a little sort of again uh, a little damn brownish digre- digression into like a bit of dinosaur theory, and um, talks about how you know the Victorians considered dinosaurs to be slow, dumb animals because that could be the only reason they'd die out. Um, in the sixties, it was there was this revisionist look at it, suggesting they were maybe quicker and hot, more hot blooded um, and like dangerous killers. And in the nineties, there was another bit of revisionist uh theory where they said, "Oh maybe you know some of them are very social and cooperative, and we arrive today where it's basically a mix of the last two um so it's, it's a nice little sort of canter through the uh the history up to the nineteen ninety five anyway of um pale of the study of dinosaurs yeah uh, I don't know any thoughts on that um
0: No, I like the idea of the the Victorians appearing in this narrative as the ones who are, you know, incredibly arrogant and blinkered to the reality of a potential situation in front of them. Um, Because I have to say, for the rest of this book, he makes a fairly compelling case that it was humanity at the end of the 20th century that really fulfilled that in a way that the Victorians, with their sideboards and massive hats, could not never have dreamt of. But, (laughs) But nonetheless, I like that we're still putting the boot into the Victorians as though we're any smarter. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, he gets back to his office, and his uh, his assistant says, "Yeah, everything's in order. Um, the guys from Chaos Quarterly have just been round to take some pictures of your office." And he's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> from where? Chaos <laughs> it's like, Quarterly? You know the the magazine, Chaos Quarterly? Like." <laughs> come on does that sound like a real magazine to that, you
0: also what sort of circulation would it have even kicking it out <laughs> quarterly how many people are going to be like yeah. well i definitely do want my you know the, the one of the three magazines that i buy this month to be about chaos theory <laughs> in case love- in case there are any changes i'm not aware of
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love that idea sort of this of they coming up with the false name we've got to have a false name um, to get past the the assistant. Chaos Weekly, even she's not gonna fall for that. Let's we'll call it Chaos Quarterly. <laughs> chaos
0: monthly, pull it back a bit more. Quarterly. Yeah,
1: sweet spot. Li- That's the I edge li- of chaos right there. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's what chaos, they should call it. Chaos
0: biennially? No, no, far too far too far out. They'll never buy that.
1: No, if if I was doing a, a magazine about chaos, it'd be the edge of chaos. You just call yeah, it that.
0: that's what you call it. Fine. No, that's the name of the band you start to uh, <laughs> uh with the people in the people in the office. I like the idea of them making it up on the spot, just walking in there and realizing they haven't come up with a backstory at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we're here to look at the displays in Dr Malcolm's working place. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you from? The magazine. Oh really? What magazine? Um, uh, ca- chaos.
1: <laughs> he's looking around. He's looking around the room, and he sees like a, a picture with a chaos, some of the chaos on it. Chaos. Uh, and there's like a quarter of a cake on the desk. Water. <laughs> Lee. Lee. <laughs> and then he's mate Lee walks past. Lee. <laughs> Yeah, what? Chaos quarterly. quarterly. Oh good, you come in. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out these guys have someone's been sneakily photographing his office. It's obviously the um the BIOS in lot. Um
0: <laughs> naughty ink.
1: Yeah. So Malcolm calls Levine to tell him, but obviously Thorne picks up because he's in he's in the apartment. And
0: would you do that? If you were, like, investigating somebody's (laughs) apartment without them knowing about it, and it was somebody as, like, clearly crotchety and slightly out-to-lunch as Richard Levine, would you pick up the phone and be like, Hello? No, no, it's Thorne. No, no, I'm not close to him at all. No, no, I'm in his house. I'm I'm in his house. What?
1: What? What of it? What do you mean, call the police? I I think he knows Malcolm, and Malcolm's leaving a message on the answer answer phone, and this is back in the days when, like answer phones played like if your answer phone started in your house you'd hear your voice and then you'd hear the other person leaving the message so he, so he, he knows who it is when he picks up Thorne
0: oh um, classic, the, the driver of a thousand sitcom plots
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so we move on to the chapter called The Five Deaths back at the uh, Levine's apartment and there are five islands on his wall and um, Arby Pulls out some more files, and from the text, they they start to work out where this island is that Levine's gone to. Um, oh, another little thing that kind of dumps you out of the plot, and it shows its age. Um, they they get all this stuff about the island, like a lot of text about it, and then Arby says, "I can download a picture of the map." but it's going to be a big job. It's 32 megabytes. And it's like,
0: oh, yeah, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I remember With when that was a big deal. Beer all night. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you remember when getting a getting a single song, through legal means, obviously, um, yeah. you know, three <laughs> megabytes would take all night. You'd leave them downloading overnight and see which ones you managed to get in the morning. Yeah, um, 32 megabytes, fucking hell.
1: Yeah. Now, we move on to, the, so it looks like they've found the island. The next chapter's called James. It's a super sleuth. He's yeah! A
0: <laughs> it's $500 a day and all the donuts you can eat.
1: <laughs> and true to form, is sitting in his car. He's had two Big Macs. He's eating some cold <laughs> fries. Cold fries are great, by the way. He's eating some cold <laughs> fries. He's just trying to stay awake. You see, I think almost every chapter I've come across so far of Ed James, he's been... Trying to stay awake. He's, he's sitting in the car epilepsy. eating
0: poorly trying to stay awake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but he overhears, because he's bugged the he's bugged the flat, give mm. him his credit. And um he overhears them talking about the island, Isla Sauna. So now the Biosyn lot like nowhere to go as well. Dun 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 Ooh, Hang yeah. on, how's
0: he has he bugged the apartment? Yeah. Just on the off chance? knowing that Levine is on the other side of the world somewhere.
1: Maybe he's bugged it a while back before, or maybe Uh, because Levine's away at the moment. Maybe he's he's, hoping Levine will come back. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Okay, All right, all right, right, (laughs) you get a pass from me on that one.
1: (laughs) That is quite funny how Dodgson said, find him, you son of a bitch. And he's put all his chips on. Maybe he will just come back. I his apartment <laughs> and I he comes back. <laughs> the requisition
0: order. I see you've ordered some bugs here, you silly son of a bitch. Where are you gonna put them? In Levine's apartment. It's the last it's place so, anybody else would
1: look. It's so lazy, isn't it? Can you imagine being told that some he's disappeared in Costa Rica. Go and find him. Oh, maybe he'll come back. I'll just buy his apartment. Yeah, fine. and where's
0: his address in the United States? It's down the road, is it? Well, you've got to start somewhere,
1: haven't you? Do you reckon Dog- called him up and was like, where are you? He's like, Costa Rica. No, it's not an international dial tone. Where are you? He's he flat. Maybe he'll come back. <laughs>
0: i'm beginning of all ed james is managing to make me feel sympathy for lewis dogson like now i'm in this place where i'm like kind of yeah honestly i think i'd probably be that cranky as well if i had to deal with somebody like ed james all day
1: (laughs) yeah so uh, but by some spectacular stroke of luck he's got the lead just from sitting outside his house so we move on to field systems and this is a chapter where we um things move along much more quickly now because they've got to get out there to to rescue Levine that means they can't test all these this equipment they're going to have to just pack up and get out there it's just about ready it's great when they get back to the garage the um the paint's still drying on the cars like Eddie Carr is the chief engineer is like just finishing off touching up the paint and Thorn runs <laughs> in and goes right pack up we're off <laughs> we're off and he's like but I haven't even put in the, the entertainment systems <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they tell the kids you can't go, and they're gutted. But come on, obviously you're not going. Naturally. It's yeah, going to a course. dangerous island. Um, but Arby and uh, Arby and Kelly explore the trailer, which is sort of the, the. So they've got a they've got an electric car, they've got an electric motorbike, and then they've got the trailer, which is where there's a big lab and sleeping quarters and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and a
0: generator one hopes because if you want to run ten thousand volts over the edge of something you're probably going to need more than a car battery to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. imagine that if they'd only designed it with one battery and they were like we've got this magnificent defense device all you got to do flip this up press the button oh now i know how you're going to be about this but we don't have any power left
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a lot of power isn't it to, yeah. yeah to have in a battery um because yeah, the 'cause the uh yeah, the both cars are run run on electronically. There's yeah. no um yeah, no gasoline. Very strong, extra reinforced. Um Kelly's wandering around it thinking, why is it so like why is it so strong and so reinforced? What are they expecting to run up against? Yeah. Um there are also cameras on the outside um so obviously they, they're worried about some like being attacked by animals mm. and uh at this point eddie the engineer we've not really met yet comes back and says go on kids time to go um it's a bit weird at the end this um kelly's like oh i really don't want to go home because it's the summer whole it's the it's half term and my stepdad's there and he's really creepy and this was just like a really yeah. like icy sort of two lines like ooh that's that's horrible
0: it is and it's sort of weird like I'm I I I'm not sure Michael Crichton even wants to go there, but, but he's decided this is how he's going to give his kids a motivation for staying, rather yeah. than just going all sort of Famous Five on it and having them intrepidly <laughs> seek adventure. That'd and be great. I'd prefer <laughs> it if they were staying in Famous Five territory, up to and including the little dog. because, mm. uh, But leaving out, obviously, Enid Blyton's casual racism. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, it's really... It's an odd... It's an odd... Decision to just put there and then not do anything with, you know? Yeah. Because he's clearly not about to get into the psychological ramifications of that with the character, and that's just a bit sort of sad.
1: Yeah, I think if you're going to do it, do it, and if you're going to, if you're yeah. not going to be interested in doing that, then yeah, don't put it in. It's it's just a, feels, it just feels It feels like a bit of a half-hearted stab at, yeah, cheaply rounding up a character, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: it really does, and like, and not, I think, not respectful enough of that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, but as with everything in microcrime, if you've got a problem with it, it will go away in the next two sentences and we'll be back to the dinosaurs, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's very much his approach to contentious subject matter, isn't it?
1: Yeah. We move on to a chapter called Harding. <clears throat> Sarah Harding's out in Africa watching hyenas um, hunting. She's, uh, she's doing a lot to restore the uh, reputation of hyenas. The much um,
0: maligned hyena.
1: Yeah, saying that, come on, they're ugly. Yeah, sure, we can't do anything about that, but they're much, you know more cooperative and nicer to each other than we've given them credit for um, very
0: much i mean but i think matt i think you and i can agree that they might be as cuddly and cooperative as you like but but they still killed simba's dad exactly and at the end of the day that's i mean i just I, I, sorry i get a bit.
1: yeah carry, no, on. Absolutely. carry on
0: i'll be all right i'll be all right
1: no, no form of like positive PR is going to wipe that stain. Absolutely from a species, not. Working
0: for Scar. Working for Scar.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I suppose they technically didn't kill Mufasa. That was Scar. That is. That is, that is they very. They and abetted.
0: Yeah, but... wankers didn't even get the <laughs> job done themselves.
1: Yeah, and also she she goes off on one about lions. Actually, she says, "Yeah, the uh, hyena is not as bad as you think. Lions. no, they're they're the real bastards." <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, she doesn't get into why because uh she gets this call from thorn thorn very abruptly basically says come to wireless sauna you're either you're either coming or you're not make your decision click that's it so she's just got decide she doesn't try to convince her just like you want to come come if you don't want it don't there you go
0: weird decision then for her to get from because so this is the sort of thing which does not age well now that i so i'm not a, like a research scientist or anything but i do like, I work internationally, which means that I know a bit more than than I did when I was 14. But how long it would take you to travel from, like, sub-Saharan Africa, wherever she's supposed to be in Kenya somewhere, I think. Yeah. How long it would take you to travel from a place where you could observe hyenas in the wild in Kenya to Costa Rica? Like, in the real world, what would happen is she'd get off the plane and they'd all be limping into the airport going, fucking hell, Sarah, you missed a real wild one, honestly. You should... If only <laughs> yeah. you'd have been there, we probably would have survived, but never mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. But she, it looks like she's on the way. Um, you know, Thorne puts in the call. Thorne seems to be so confident that she's going to go me, doesn't even need to convince her, just like, you know the score, we're off, are you coming or not? And of course she is. Of course the answer is um, yes next chapter's message they're on the way to costa rica they get a text from arby saying have a nice trip and uh and they that's that's some kind of that puts their mind at ease to show that you know they've not for example stowed away on board or anything like that
0: (laughs) Uh. should we go and check no a text is enough a text is enough
1: um and they they sort of congratulate each other about being the only ones who know about the island. Um, <laughs> message is just one long, well not one short. Um, <laughs> it's like three paragraphs where no no one covers themselves in glory. <laughs> um, and then, then we're on to exploitation. It's back back to Dogson um, and um he's having one, He's gonna have one last crack at stealing in gen technology. Um, is he's, he's trying to convince his boss to let him have another go. He bribed Nedry, that didn't turn out particularly well. He's bribed someone else and that <laughs> didn't work. And now it's sort of third time lucky. And uh it, eventually the like this guy who is making the decision says he says, go on then, one last chance. Part partly because Dogson sells um like the rewards in two things we can do whatever we want once we get the ability to create these dinosaurs a we can just test a load of crap on them we can just use them for like pharmaceutical testing no one's going to care because they're just lizards and there are lizards um and two we could set up like a dinosaur hunter dinosaur park which which considering like everyone thinks John Hammond's idea was crazy, quite how oh, this one is any less crazy. It's the same thing but without the fences. What do you reckon? <laughs> stay
0: with me, stay with me.
1: Do you know what it makes me think of? Do you know that um that meme with the guy pointing to his head, like really clever? Yeah. It's just I imagine that and like can't have your fences fail if you don't have fences. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs>
0: That's glorious. I totally skipped past this bit in the um when I was reading it. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hunt them. No, they're not going to hunt us. Come on, we're human beings.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's the um that's the idea. So he says, yeah, these animals are totally exploitable. Let's get in there and get them.
0: I mean, I so I I mean, obviously we need an antagonist and Lewis Dugson deserves to be an antagonist for sure. But um, mm. I, I'm a bit lost about this really because I'm isn't he supposed to be like a scientist by background? Like it says, so I forget which book it is, but it talks about him having a sort of, you know, a sort of PhD and research background and the rest of it. Well, he like,
1: is 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 specialises in reverse engineering. So he's sort of, you know. It, yeah, but you only learn that as,
0: by, yeah. like, Being a specialist in something anyway And like understanding how things work So this is a guy who's clearly so bad at research That quite early in his career he's gone Well I'm not going to get anywhere doing it the legitimate way So I suppose the only other way is to find somebody To pay me to bribe people to steal stuff (laughs) Seems like science to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it's, I think he describes it as, like, results-orientated science. Results-orientated or like that. science. <laughs>
0: that's incredible. Theft-orientated yeah. learning.
1: Yeah. So he's going to head out to... I mean, I think the Hunt the Dinosaur Park is in there because that's the only other, like, semi-plausible reason for getting the dinosaurs that isn't... Let's, Turn it into a zoo because the obvious thing, yeah, which is why Hammond did it, is you create a zoo that's because people want to see them. And I think Crichton's thinking, I can't say that again because we've done that, so maybe like a hunting place, maybe like a because hunting the whole park? thing about we can test stuff on animals. I mean, just, I just didn't it's... really feel like that was remotely plausible. No, like like what No, you gonna one, do, no you one's just... gonna mind because they're dinosaurs, you can yeah, do genetics, that's not an animal.
0: argument you can make. Plus, plus at what point are you hoping like you're banking pretty hard there on stumbling across a dinosaur which is in many ways physiologically similar to human beings and like that is where Jurassic Park starts to link up with that you know monolith of early 90s filmmaking Super Mario Mario Brothers the movie like (laughs) Yeah, dinosaurs and humans more in common than you think. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean he does say that. I suppose he says that the reason you know the, the the beauty of dinosaurs, he says, are the big lizards, and no one likes lizards, but they're also warm-blooded, so we can you know they're probably right, so you know sure. they're probably like the same as pigs and stuff and like yeah. uh, rats and that, so we can do yeah. we can do tests on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, it's a they're bit lizard, so
0: nobody cares, but they're warm blooded, so they're basically the same as people.
1: <laughs> I think we're starting to realise why he never really made it from his own research. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> How's he
0: getting paid for this? I love the idea of the, the lead you know, the, the uh the CEO of a major biocorp, even one with an evil name, not just going, Lou, you've lost it, mate. Come on, hunting <laughs> dinosaurs, testing cosmetics on what's it supposed to do? Act like a kitten? Lou. You, go home, mate. You've had to no. Honestly, just go and have a rest. Have a holiday, Have mate. a lie down. Yeah. <laughs> have a lie down. Consider retraining.
1: Mm. Um, Dave, that is as far as we're going this week. Uh, next gasp- week, if you if you're reading along with us, read from the next chapter, which is called Costa Rica, <laughs> and read as far as chap the chapter called the Red Queen. Page 186 oh. in my book. Might be all slightly right. different in a different book, but it's a chapter called The Red Queen. There's only one chapter called The Red Queen, so, so you're all right to that. Yes, good start, Dave. We've once yeah. again yeah. Um, managed to do the first part without really touching on seeing any dinosaurs. Or at least we've seen more in this one than we did the first part of Jurassic Park.
0: That's true, that's true. And at least we've now identified the dinosaur we're all waiting for. The dinosaur we're all waiting for, Matt, whose name I can't recall, but I'm going to call... Bad actor dinosaur from now on.
1: Yeah, he's called. Let me bring him up. Uh, Carnotaurus.
0: Carnotaurus. Yeah, I so far he's just been a body. Yeah, well, well, yeah. questionably. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he might not even be that body, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway, anyway, corpse number two dinosaur. Yes. The, the Tobias Funke dinosaur. I'm just waiting for him to find his way on stage.
1: <laughs> so enjoy reading the next part. Hopefully by a few killer dinosaur will turn up if not, <laughs> he, will be, he will do by the end that's a Matthew Cast Iron guarantee there glorious,
0: Winter. I can Bye. always rely on those
1: <laughs> until then until then Matt goodbye